I never wanted a remote organization. I enjoy going to the office and collaborating with people face to face. But let's face it, that's not really a possibility right now. And so, like many business owners, I'm struggling to adjust to the completely remote work environment. And so I turn to someone who is an expert on the subject. And if you're looking for tips on remote working, then this is an episode you need to hear. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is part of the Digital Toolbox from Roundpeg, and this is your host, Lorraine Ball. I get to do one of my favorite things, which is hang out with an old friend. My guest today, Robbie Slaughter, who is a productivity expert and a professional speaker, has been a frequent guest on More Than A Few Words. As a matter of fact, if you dig into our archives, you'll find some of our early conversations going back as far as 10 years. But Robbie, I am so excited that you are willing to come back and hang out with me today. Happy to be here, Lorraine. Robbie, over the years, we've talked about a lot of different aspects when it, as it related to productivity and time management. But I think one of the things that's really on everybody's minds right now is how do you stay productive when you are working remotely, when you are managing remote workers, when you yourself are a remote worker? I think this is such an important question, and it really digs into the heart of our humanity. If you look at the story of work, uh, for really most of human history, people just worked where they were. They were they were on a farm. They were in that same place. Most people didn't go more a mile from their house their entire lives. And and then at some point, really in the 1700s, we, we got into this idea that work was a place that you go. You got up, you got on the subway, you got on the train, you got in the car, you walked, and you went to another place, did something valuable for productive labor, and then came home and rested again. And that has really, just in the past few years, dramatically shifted, that we no longer feel like we have to or are required to, and in fact, in some situations, may not even be able to get up in the morning, get in the car, go to an office or a factory or place of business, and at the end of the day, reverse that to come home. Now, work is something we do anywhere, anytime, and from any place. And as you said, I think there's good and bad with that. The good is that you can have a little more control over your schedule, but I think sometimes the bad is that work never ends. Yeah, it really is true. And it wasn't too long ago, and you and I were both working at the time where pretty much if you weren't at the office, there wasn't a lot you could get done. And maybe you could put a few things in your bag or your purse to take home, but pretty much work was at work. And once you left, then all you could do was think about it till you came back the next day. Whereas now our devices follow us, our files follow us, our systems follow us, and people can reach you 24-7. You can do things 24-7. It doesn't even surprise me anymore when I get an email from someone at 2 in the morning because that's when the kid is up. That's when they have the chance to work. That's when they're getting things done. So let's talk about some of the challenges. The first is maybe creating some division between your work and your personal time so that it doesn't completely consume your life. Absolutely. People like to use the phrase work-life balance, and I challenge folks to reverse that. Call it life-work balance. Put your life first in that Mm -hmm. phrase. Think about who is the person that you want to be and how you want to live, and then what is the work you're going to do to enable and support the life you want to have with your friends, with your family, with your community. And creating a physical space for separation is one of the best ways to do that. Identify a spot in your home or in the place where you're working that is your workspace 
not the kitchen table, not just piles spread across your bed, but an actual work zone. If you can have a whole office dedicated for a room, that's great. If you can only have one desk, that's fantastic too. But have a way to cover it up, to close the doors, to encase yourself, and also to put it away when you're not working. That, that is a great suggestion. That was one of the things when I started the business and I was working out of the house, I loved the fact that we had a spare bedroom that I could take over from my office. And when I wasn't working, I could close that door. There's a tremendous psychology behind that, Lorraine, that the way our minds work is that when a door is closed, we tend to think less about what is behind that door. Even though we know intellectually it's still there, this phenomenon, the doorway effect, causes us to focus on whatever is happening in the room or the space that we're in, not the one that we used to be in. And so just having that door, being able to close it on either side can mm -hmm. have a tremendous positive impact on your life-work balance. Awesome. All right. So now let's look at the whole productivity from the other side. Um, you're not in your office. You don't have the same tools or you're not face-to-face -face with your coworkers, your boss, or your employees. How do you maintain that productivity that comes from being across a desk from somebody? One of the things that I think is very powerful is to place your the structure of how you operate as if people are remote first and in-person second. Imagine that everyone you're working with, everyone you're collaborating with is remote first, and then sometimes you get to see them in person. Design your workflow, design your interaction so that them not being there is your primary way of interacting. And that means you can't just walk across the room and ask them a question. You can't just yell something out. You need to plan a little more intelligently and say, hey, I'm going to save these questions for an email or a next phone-based meeting rather than just interrupting them as part of the flow. And while that does uh, change some of the camaraderie, you know, I know around the Roundpeck offices, a lot of the things you might hear out loud are jokes or, or laughter or fun things. It also allows people to really focus and get the kind of creative, detailed work done that they need to be able to do to provide value for customers. You know, one of the things that I have noticed is since we've all gone home, in a way, I actually work less. And it's because I have more focused periods of in my office and I'm just working. And I don't have the, and as much as I love my team and I love interacting with them, when the, everybody is in the office, there's a steady stream in my door and I get nothing done for very long stretches. And so being home has definitely given me those long stretches to get things done. Mm-hmm. Just as I mentioned with changing your phrasing to a life-work balance, I encourage managers to think about instead of having an open door policy, have an open mind policy. Because an open door policy indicates you can interrupt me at any time with any question or concern you have. And that's not really what you mean as a manager. What you really mean is you have an open mind policy, which is that if employees have concerns or questions or ideas, you want them to feel free to share them with you but you're not really trying to encourage a culture of interruption and urgency that might not really be there. And so if you tell your employees, hey, we have an open mind policy, which is that it's okay to share your ideas and your concerns and your questions with me, but really try to time those and put them into the medium that's appropriate, everyone can get more done because they can concentrate on what's important and they can save that urgency and that face-to-face -face communication for when it's really special and really necessary. 
That is such a powerful idea because I know I have been guilty of having an open door policy. You got a question, come in, sit down, you know, let's have a conversation. And I notice it most uh, when I have new employees and I want to have that higher interaction with them and where it begins to wear on me is if I have two or three new employees that are all starting around the same time, it seems like there's just this steady stream. As the team matures and they become more comfortable with what they're doing, they almost naturally shift to that open mind. They know I'm here when they need need me, but they can be more independent. And I think even setting that ground rule in the beginning would make onboarding new employees a lot easier. It will. And we can learn a lot from the professors in this situation who figured out a long time ago what you want to have. It's not an open door policy, but office hours that you pre-announce specific times during the week in which you are available for drop-in questions. If you are in the office, that can be in person, but there's no reason why you can't have virtual office hours as well for your team and say, hey, everyone, on Tuesdays from 2 to 4 p.m., I'm going to be doing whatever. My phone is open. My Zoom is open. Call me. Ask me questions. I'm available to you as a resource. And that encourages your team members to go ahead and spend the rest of the time of the week working on things, maybe struggling a little bit and figuring it out on their own, maybe putting some questions together. And then when they come to you, they're going to be efficient, they're going to be effective, and they're going to use that time wisely rather than just having you available all the time. Absolutely. So the other side of it, because there is, I think, a part of us that likes the social interaction, that craves that personal connection. When you're working remotely, how do you maintain those personal connections? I think this is a really important question about how we describe what it means to work together. And this is an area where organizations and companies have shifted quite a bit just in the past generation or two. Now, businesses, especially small businesses, will often have an entrepreneurial active culture where the team will go out to ice cream together or have a beer Friday and spend this time to create this camaraderie. And we do know that when this happens, it can improve team cohesion. This is very different than the corporations of yesteryear, which were stodgy and uh, and separated. And, and there might be a women's auxiliary at best, but there really wasn't the kind of, uh, of cultural connection that you have. But on the other hand, that can create challenges because people may develop individual loyalties rather than focusing on just the work. So my suggestion is that when you're in the office, try to have those social events be special and purposeful. And the same thing is true whenever you're out of the office. Say, hey, we're all going to watch the same movie at the same time and then have a conversation afterwards. And that will be our our fun uh, activity. You send everyone a gift card for ice cream at the local shop and you have an ice cream social you do on Zoom. Things that are intentional and purposeful to create that connectivity rather than it sort of being all the time. And also be sure to respect the fact that some employees just want to get their social connections elsewhere. And that's okay. As long as they're producing value and working for what customers need, different people have different approaches. Absolutely. Robbie, this is great advice. I think we are at a point in time where there is going to be more, not less remote work as people discover that they can be effective and productive. And I think this is great tips. Do you have any suggestions for what I'm going to call the nervous owner? The person like me who has grown up in a structure where everybody's face-to-face all the time, 
getting comfortable with this and getting over some of the concerns that things aren't going to get done if you're not there to see them. That concern and that fear is absolutely widespread. Lots of people have it. Lots of people have said it to me, and I'm sure you've heard it from others as well. And really the nature of that fear is that what you have been measuring all this time is not employee productivity, but employee face time. Because at least if you're in the office, you might be doing some work. Whereas if you're not in the office, I don't know if you're doing work. Mm-hmm. And what that really illustrates is that in many organizations, we don't have any mechanism to measure output. We're not really tracking what people are doing and what they're getting done. In fact, we really could hire most employees as remote to begin with because you can't look busy if you're not in the office. (laughs) So the key message to to nurse business owners is to say, hey, I understand your concern, but there might be a deeper issue here, which is that you're not really measuring and engaging in employee success. You're just measuring FaceTime, which really is no measurement at all. Absolutely. That is a great tip. Robbie, thank you again for dropping by. If people want to catch up with you, where's the best place to find you online? You can go to our website, accelawork.com, A-C-C-E-L-A-W-R-K.com, or you can Google me. I tend to be everywhere. (laughs) And I'm so glad you are. Thanks again, Robbie. Thanks, Lorraine. Looking forward to seeing you again soon in a screen or in person. Me too. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to look for more tools and resources in our digital toolbox at digitaltoolboxin.com. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.